Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network and you can find us also on Corporate Compliance Insight website at our landing page. As you know, in compliance, we're often considered the risk-averse people, and that's because that's part of our life. We assess risk and consequences all the time. Our guest today is not only an accomplished compliance professional, but somebody who looks at opportunities and says, why not? And her career has benefited from that philosophy. Christina Ravello is Deputy Director of Corporate Monitoring and Compliance Services at Affiliated Monitors, Inc. She was previously with Walmart. I also got the opportunity to meet her this week in person at the SCCE, and it was just wonderful. I'm so happy that I've gotten to know you through a couple of different contexts, and we're so glad that you've been able to join us today. So with that, thank you for joining me, and let's start with you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, it was so great to meet you in person finally, so I'm, I'm really glad we got to do that this week. Yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity. I think for those of us who haven't seen people in person for a while, and the nice part is when this podcast is goes out in two weeks, we're all going to get a little bit of warm and fuzzies from having the opportunity to, to see one another. So with that, thank you for joining me. And let's start a bit with your background. Um, you said you started with some, how did you get into compliance? So I started, yeah, I, I'm a forensic accountant uh, by trade. So I'm not a lawyer like everyone that is in compliance, but I started out my career at KPMG in their forensic practices, um, just doing consulting for um, different projects like risk assessment, compliance, investigations, anti-money laundering um, in in different um, industries as well, including retail, um, finance. Uh, But one of those um, clients that was mine was um, Walmart. And so that's sort of how I transitioned from doing the consulting side, which included many areas, including compliance and risk, but other areas like investigations as well. Um, and well, there's an opportunity to join Walmart in their anti-corruption compliance team. Um, that's how sort of I kicked off my official compliance career. Well, first of all, I think it's great that we don't have all lawyers in the field. And I say that as a lawyer, um, I think it's a really important thing to have a diverse field in so many different ways, whether it's you know career experience, you know the, the number of years, lawyers, accountants, someone who came from something completely different. So it is fabulous to have that. Um, And how did you get started working with Walmart and that project and how did it evolve? Yeah. So um, at the time, this was when Walmart was still under investigation for the FCPA matter. um, And they hired KPMG to help them um, create and develop a anti-corruption monitoring program. So of course they reached out to accountants to create a team who essentially would monitor different transactions to ensure that there was no uh, bribes uh, paid out, right? In the different markets internationally. Um, so we, I was part of KPMG, part of that team that was developing and implementing that across um, the different markets for Walmart. And from there, I worked on it, I think it was for about a year and a half or so. It was a long enough project um, working always with the same individuals. And once the project ended, we had sort of a deadline to reach, you know, to implement it through a few markets. Uh, when it ended, they knew they needed people in-house and um, they just, they hired me. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was an easy decision to make because um, I would have, you know, I had to move to Arkansas and I, at the time I was living in Chicago. Um, so that was sort of, took me a little bit to make that decision, just kind of evaluating all the different aspects um, that comes from moving um, because I have a large family in Chicago, but then I took the leap and um, I moved to Walmart. And you, you just mentioned it. You moved to Bentonville, Arkansas, and as a more junior professional, not somebody who is bringing a family or started with that kind of um, you know support network there. How did you make that decision? What factors did you bring into it? Um, and you know, what was it like? The decision was not easy to make. Um, fortunately, I had enough. I had a good amount of time when I started on the project when I was still with KPMG. Um, They wanted to hire me. So the director at the time was working with me and he said, you know, let's think through it. And and he would always send me information about Benville um, to make sure that, you know, I felt comfortable. And they were always very understanding that, you know, Chicago was my home. Um, But at the end of the day, I was early on in my career. Um, I wanted to do international work and 
at KPMG, I was able to do a couple projects internationally, but not many, not as many as I wanted out of my career early on, as well as like utilize my bilingual skills, right? So I definitely wanted to do more projects in Latin America and just kind of see how that would be. Um, so just thinking about the international opportunity that being on an anti-corruption compliance team was going to bring to my career, that was a huge decision um, maker component. Um, and then also just really um, getting my foot in the door for compliance, right? I'm not a lawyer. Most job applications, they require a JD and then the algorithm won't even let you apply, right? The HR algorithm. So you would never make it if even if I had the background and kind of worked on projects already. So this was another great way for me to just start my compliance career at a company. Yeah, that is one of the problems with some of the algorithms and the way to look into this, because it's really important to be able to, you know, in, in, in some roles, I do think that you know, there, are, there are points for having lawyers in, in certain roles, but having an entire team of lawyers and not having adversity. But yeah, I think you've mentioned it again, um, one of those big concerns. So once you uh, got to uh, Walmart, what, what did you, what was your first role and, you know, what did, what did you start learning right away from there? Yeah, so I continued working on their anti-corruption compliance monitoring team. Um, so again, just working with a lot of accountants, reviewing uh, accounts and, and, and transactions and so forth. Um, so in working in that, um, then I had the opportunity to go to Chile and uh, lead their anti-corruption team. So um, I think just starting out in the sort of monitoring team, we were just the accountants sort of doing um, audits, if you will, uh, but from a true compliance perspective. Um, that kind of taught me a lot. It was a global team working in anti-corruption in general is a global team because, you know, we're obviously monitoring everything outside of the U.S. Um, taught me how to work in a true global team. I mean, I sat in Bentonville, but my teams were in different countries. And so I was on Zoom calls before being on Zoom calls all day was a thing. So that's just how we did business every day. And, and you know, emails in Spanish. And that was like thrilling for me to just incorporate my culture and my in my language skills as well. Um, from there, um, the vice president offered me an opportunity to go to Chile um, to lead their anti-corruption team there um, when they needed someone to kind of backfill interim until they hired someone. So that was also a new challenge, a new opportunity that at the time was very scary, I would have to say. It was still earlier on in my career. I think this was only like a year and a half or almost two years from the time I joined Walmart. Um, and I felt like I was still learning a lot about the compliance side from an anti-corruption perspective and um, had learned a lot already, but still learning. Um, and I got the opportunity to go to um, kind of lead an international market, which was very exciting. That is something to, that's really great to start doing early on. Um, and I mean, it's an opportunity that not a lot of people will get. But again, you've now moved from Chicago to Arkansas and now you were in Chile. So, you know, how did you evaluate doing that, um, that role and taking it and, you know, what were the benefits and what were some of the challenges? Yeah, so I would say um, when I look back on my career and even in helping me make all these decisions, I do want to give credit to my mentors and my sponsors um, that I've had over the years. Everyone sort of pushed me. And of course, at the end of the day, the decision's on me to say yes or no. But everyone's been always been very supportive. So for the Chile role, um, I remember my the vice president um, told me, you know, you're not going to fail. We will never let you fail and call us for anything. And if you think you're going to fail, we're going to fail together. It's not you out there sort of failing on your own. We will, both of us will fail because I send you and you're going and, it, you know, we will be fine and we're always going to be there for you. So just having that support system was something that really helped me make that, that decision. It wasn't just, we're throwing it out, throwing you out into the wolves, but um, truly being a global team, a partnership, um, and just someone who truly believed in me, right? And like, yes, you can do it go do it. And that's why I'm sending you. So I said yes to that opportunity, got the chance to go, met some great people, um, you know, lived there for about nine months, uh, but supported the team for an additional two to three months. So it was almost a year of truly leading that team in that market, um, which was very rewarding. Learned just the difference of working from headquarters to a, a market, you leading a program from a market rather than sort of building out the policies from headquarters and sending it to the market and, and building the structure, but sending it to the market for execution. It was truly executing. And I think it gave me a different perspective from a compliance way of, um, you know, sometimes even some of the procedures that I had helped develop 
were not easy to execute once I was in the market. The reality was different. And so bringing that perspective back to headquarters in Bentonville uh, was really valuable as well. I mean, I think that is one thing too. I've worked in like the U.S. market in, in, a, in a global organization and also in corporate, but and also spending some time in like the, the facilities and things like that. I do think it's a really important thing because it helps you, especially if you've never done it, translate uh, not just in terms of language, but culture and what's realistic and what isn't. And also, you know, I had I had a, a, a boss and a mentor who said that, you know, most people's most feared words is when someone walks in and says, I'm from corporate, I'm here to help. <laughs> and I laugh about that every day. Um, but with that in mind, I mean, I assume that also being, being a younger woman, being in Latin America, being in a, you know, having been just a, a few years into Walmart, there may have been some challenges um, as a basis of that, you know, you know, but, and also that you're not from Chile. Can you talk a little bit about being a younger woman, not from Chile in that role? Yeah, no. And, you know, I will say not just in that role, but even in my role after I moved back from Chile and I was leading risk assessments, I think just being a younger woman was um, something that people had to get used to, but it wasn't sort of an initial thing that people just felt comfortable with, I would say. Uh, but in Chile specifically, not being from the country, um, everyone was that, I mean, that culture is just absolutely amazing. And everyone's so respectful and lovely. The The time where that came into play for me was more about, um, you know, I didn't know local law to the extent that the, the team did. So they just kind of had to help me a little bit more, making sure that um, I took everything into consideration before making a decision. Um, so that was extremely helpful, but we had an amazing team there. Uh, being a younger woman, I think it was just sort of when you walk into a meeting and no one addresses you because they don't think you're leading the meeting, but then you start leading the meeting and they give you this look of like, oh, I didn't know. And and I would get a lot of comments of like, but you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people actually asking me how old I was. Um, especially men. And then they would say, I know we're not supposed to ask this, but how old are you? And, you know, you're coming from Bentonville. So I think um, it took a lot of people by surprise, but also, um, you know, I had the backing, if you will, of uh, Bentonville and headquarters. So um, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I mean, it is always interesting when that happens or, or when there's times where people look at, you know, well, I mean, I, I've had friends and you know, people look at you like, or me when I was much younger and say, you know, basically wonder where the coffee is and what time you're getting, when are you going to come back, come back with exactly. that? Or are you there to take notes? Oh, um, oh that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, I had an, uh, an interesting scenario where um, I was leading a, a risk assessment in Japan and Japanese culture is very different, but I went with my coworker, uh, older male and I was leading that risk assessment. He went with me. He was taking notes, but also kind of how we were working together. But I was really leading that risk assessment for that market. Um, and even when I asked the question, when people responded, they wouldn't look at me. They would look at him and give him the answer. Um, so it was just, you know, it's I, I think it's things we learned throughout our careers um, and how to manage them. But it's just what comes with the territory, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was in, in my career defending, I think my first deposition, it was a Japanese uh, person who worked at a bank. Um, and he really thought that he should be being, you know, defended by the partner. He was not, and he wanted to have lunch ahead of time, which which we did. Um, long story short, he wanted to have a drink at lunch and was very upset that I wouldn't have a beer with him. And I said, neither of us were going to have a beer at lunch. Um, and he told me I was no fun. And I then explained no one was paying me to be fun. But it was kind of like, it was almost this dichotomy of if you didn't have the serious person, if you had this, you know, this was a long time ago, this younger woman who was defending him, let's just kind of make it a little bit more fun. There's nothing, and there's nothing fun about defending a deposition for your first time. <laughs> so it has yeah. happened too. So yeah, I mean, global challenges on those cultural things are huge. Um, so how long did you end up staying in Chile? And then what was next? So I stayed for the nine months. Um, there were a few trips in between back and forth, um, but for nine months, um, continue helping the, the team once I moved back until they found a replacement, which was not too long after that. Um, and then I transitioned to the risk assessment team for all of Walmart. So before anti-corruption was, of course, just under Walmart International. Um, and now risk assessment was um, for all of the um, compliance subject matters, not just anti-corruption, um, still within Walmart International. So 
we have 13 subject matters we're covering um, everything from privacy, food safety, health and safety, antitrust, um, you know, everything in between ethics, et cetera. So did that for about a year and a half, which was also a great opportunity. Again, international role, got to travel a lot, which um, I wanted to get more experience in other markets, but working in a true global program again. Um, and having more of an aspect of, you know, how does privacy differ from anti-corruption, not just on the requirements, but how did they execute their compliance program? Because I feel like every compliance program has to be executed slightly different, depending on what you're working on, like environmental would be different from food safety. Um, so just learning that from like a higher level perspective um, was extremely helpful for me in my career as well. Well, one of the things is we've talked a lot about you saying yes, particularly about traveling, about different opportunities. Um, one of the other things, and actually to go back to SCCE, one of the things that was in one of the panels I was attending was talking about the idea of, is an opportunity always an opportunity? In other words, sometimes it might be an opportunity, but not the right one for you in terms of timing. Are there times where you said no or made some decisions like that? And what, what was your thought process? Yes, um, there was a time, I'm sure there have been more than one, but the one that I can remember off the top of my head um, was a time where I said no to leadership. So this was like our VP of ethics and compliance um, over Walmart International. Um, it was a promotion opportunity into an area where I wasn't as uh, passionate about. Um, and I wanted to continue learning more about um, the anti-corruption piece. And then I wanted to be very strategic into kind of where I was moving next. Um, this other opportunity presented itself. They offered it to me and I said it, I said no. And I, I had to say it like to his face in a meeting and sort of like there were three people around and then they called me into your room and essentially offered me this promotion. Um, and I really thought through it. And I think they respected me for that, for not just saying either yes, just because it's a promotion and it's more money and not just saying no, just because, oh, I don't want to work in that team because um, it had nothing to do with that. It was really strategic. And I and so I've kind of explained my thought process of like, this is the next step that I want to go. You know, I don't think this is this will get me there. Um, and I just want to continue learning and developing my skills in this area. And I think this would kind of deviate me a little bit more. Um, so they appreciated my honesty and my transparency of kind of like walking them through my thought process. Um, and they were okay with it because I was able to get a promotion, not sure after that, and into a team that kind of was aligned with what I wanted to do with my career. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really important about that and also very interesting about it is that you were looking at what the substance in the role was as much as the title. Um, and I think sometimes in the more matrixed or hierarchical organization, like I assume, you know, Walmart has to be by the size, is that that's not always the traditional view on those sorts of things. So you kind of move yeah. up and then figure it out later and you figured it out. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't easy, right? Because it's also one of those things where you don't want to say no, just to say no, you know, want to be sort of grateful and accept every opportunity. Um, and also in those large organizations, you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come up, right? It's different from consulting. Like when I started my career at KPMG, where, you know, every three years you got promoted, you know, as long as you were doing a great job. Um, but it like, you knew, like, you know, if there were five manager spots open, um, they could create a sixth one for a new manager. It's where it's different um, in-house, right? It, like uh, the director had to leave in order for me to get a director job. And so it was very much a domino effect. So um, you also kind of take a risk in that sense of saying no, because you might not get a promotion or you might not hear of um, anything else happening for another year or, or it could be less. So um, it, it wasn't an easy decision to make for sure. Yeah. One of the things I've thought about about that recently also is the idea that what isn't the opportunity for you may be the opportunity of a lifetime for someone else. And it off, I really do believe these things very often work out for most of the people involved because also when your heart's not in it, it's a little bit harder. So, Agreed. you know, so you, I mean, it's interesting, you know, in your, in your career, uh, you have started at KPMG and, and, and you, then you went in-house and now you've got kind of a whole different kind of role and you, you started at Affiliated Monitor. So what I think is really interesting about that is you can talk a little bit about how you got there and, you know, sort of a little bit more about who they are and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I... I, there was a, a different way how I got there, but um, essentially it was all networking. 
of, of how I landed there. Um, networking opportunities just to meet more compliance professionals. Um, one of those compliance professionals are now is now my coworker, Jay Rosen. And so Jay Rosen is everyone's best friend. I mean, like the, <laughs> I did, I'm sure he's listening right now. He's he's been a networker for me and is just an all-around fabulous person and fabulous part of the compliance community. Absolutely. Um, and I was connected to him through Lisa. Lisa Beth Lintini Walker. And so she connected me with Jay and was like, hey, Jay knows a lot of people. Um, He'll introduce you to different people in Chicago. Of course, at the time, I had just moved back into Chicago um, in the middle of the pandemic, left my Walmart job, left for different reasons. But one of them was I wanted to work back in Chicago. At the time, people were not working remotely. Um, This was pre-pandemic, so I left. um, And I wanted to travel as well. And I said, hey, let me take a year off. I will travel. Of course, the pandemic took place, so I didn't really do much traveling. Um, But I found myself in, in, you know, back in Chicago, have been gone for five years, wanted to do, to have like an uh, updated connection, if you will, from a networking perspective and compliance. And so I started talking to Jay. He started me connecting me, connecting me with the different people. But at the end of our conversation, he just said, oh, wait, have you ever thought about being a monitor? <laughs> um, and that was an area that I was familiar with from a very distant perspective, um, just because Walmart had had a monitor right before I left. And so I knew what the relationship was like and, and what the job would be like. But of course, I had never been a monitor. So um, had a couple of conversations and really enjoyed it. I mean, it really reminded me a little bit of my consulting days, but then also really uh, being able to apply my core compliance skills into reviewing the, these compliance programs at the different companies. So um, that's what I came to do. And I've been here for about four months um, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah. One, also just being able to, um, have clients from different industries. That was also something that I really missed uh, from sort of my consulting days. So just learning from different industries. But we monitor uh, companies, not just based on um, some sort of government mandate, but also very proactive assessments. So that's also the piece that I'm really enjoying because it truly is sort of consulting, reviewing, helping companies review their programs before they get in trouble. And then, of course, we do monitor companies that are already in trouble. Yeah. Well, I think, and one of the things I think through Lisa Beth and through Jay, it's the compliance career connection too, that I think you, you participate in. I'm active in that as well. And I just think, you know, these opportunities, and I think it's a really unique thing about the ethics and compliance community is that it is a very open and we share, you know, opportunities and thoughts and helping one another. And and I mean, I remember meeting you there and uh, as well, and it was like this, you know, this, there are so many great things to take advantage of. And it really sounds like you did that. And it also sounds like going back to your theme of saying yes versus saying no, you you decided this is time for me, even where my career is right now, to travel, to take a little bit of a, a break for yourself. I think that I did that in my career. I decided that after being a lawyer, I moved to Park City, Utah for a couple of years. Um, I thought it'd be a few months, but I, nice. I yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, but I learned a lot. And for me, one of the things when you were talking earlier about being in Chile, one of the things for me is actually being, you know, working and booking ski lessons after you've been at a really big law firm and then eventually going back into compliance and ethics, um, you know, actually having been on a floor when you're talking about wage and hour laws and just sort of understanding little parts of it and different things and also kind of taking steps, you know, in different directions um, or as as I call it, like my nonlinear career. It really, those things you don't yeah. think are going to impact what you do down the line may often change things the most. Um, that's very true. No, that's very true. And even, I mean, you know, saying yes to moving to Chile, a lot of those things were also for myself. And I think sometimes it's harder to do things for you, like say yes for you, even taking a break, right? That decision took me about two years to finally decide I will leave my job and I'll take sort of a gap year or six months. That was harder than if it was a decision of like, hey, can you go work in this market? And that was an easier decision, even though it was scary. The other one was just as scary, but I think sometimes it's easier to say yes to something in your career than yes to your personal life, but it shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't. And it is interesting when people talk about it, they always reflect it as to how they would feel about it and give you the advice according to that. The number the number of people that were very concerned, you know, when they would be booking a ski lesson and I had a name tag that's in Washington, D.C. and I'd say I was a lawyer there. They, I mean, I, I'm not sure if some of the people thought I was disbarred. I'm not, you didn't <laughs> occur to people like that. Other people were like, I would like, you are so brave, but it was, it was never really about me. It was always about their view on, 
how life would go. Their fears, um, yeah. So one other question, you know, from going back, you know, coming to a, into a monitoring role, coming from in-house, you know, I mean, I know you were at KPMG before. Did there Was there anything that surprised you that, you, you know, different things that you, you thought you knew you'd expect and it turned out a little differently? Um, so far here, monitoring, not so much. I mean, I am learning the whole side of sort of working with the Department of Justice and the reporting that kind of goes on between that and... I think, um, I guess I will say what surprised me is more about just learning these different clients. I mean, I came from um, Walmart who, you know, with a huge compliance um, program, right? Like I think at the time when I left, it was maybe like a little bit over 2000 individuals doing compliance on a global uh, perspective. And, and then we do see clients where we still see some companies that are not prioritizing compliance as they should be, or they're sort of still combining it with legal. And, and, and so there's some gaps there where it really should be two different entities. I think seeing that still, it's always um, an eye opener. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes I think when I was at Walmart, we, I think we would take things for granted knowing that we had a separate team and separate budgets and so forth. So I think that's still surprising because I feel like nowadays enough companies should learn from other people's mistakes and really develop their own very strong compliance program. But um, that's what we're here to help companies do at Affiliate. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's interesting. I, I think that some of that for me is also company-based. I think the most important thing for me is that a compliance function has its own separate direct line to the board because there's some, if you're still working with legal, um, it's one thing, but if you're working with legal, but you still have your own opportunity to have separate avenues, I think that is also, uh, you know, it may be, you know, yeah. it's a good solution. It depends a lot on the organization, but I think that, you know, if, if it all goes straight through the chief legal officer, who's also a chief compliance officer, I think that's a challenge for everybody, including the legal team, because they don't have the kind of back and forth that yeah, is absolutely. critically important and the opportunity to be able to make sure that things are raised to a board in certain ways. Absolutely. So, well, sometimes at the end of these, I ask people the advice to give to their younger self, but I was hoping that you could give some advice to the, I refuse to word, use the word older, although some might, I'm going with more seasoned ethics and compliance professionals. You know, what do you wish that we knew or that we would think about You know, as, as we're building programs or being mentors or advocates? What, what advice would you give to us? One, I think one that pops out, out for me is um, don't lose your connection to sort of the boots on the ground individuals who are actually executing the programs. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times where we would have different um, suggestions and just feedback on how to make the program more efficient and better. And even in my experience, right, when I went to work in the market, and I was the one executing the anti-corruption policy and procedures. Uh, I realized that even some of the things that I thought were going to work, you know, sitting in headquarters in Bentonville, um, were actually not as efficient, or there was a faster way that we could have done it if we would just ask, right? Sometimes it's harder to ask everyone for feedback at a large organization, especially at a global one, because you want to try to have one procedure and sort of align it to the different markets, different laws, but try to have one so it's not as complicated. But I would say that, um, you know, don't, uh, don't lose touch with the business. Um, don't just sit in your compliance sort of office and, and hope that everyone's going to want to exercise the your policy just because they have to, but really having those relationships with the business and then those really close to executing um, sort of in the day-to-day, -day, whatever industry you're in. Um, I think that's really helpful in making your compliance program successful and, and the business seeing you as a true partner so that they actually want to execute um, and work with you and execute in the best way possible for the company. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I wonder if you see this as well. I think it's important also to talk about the why with people as opposed to the you yeah. know, what you're doing, because very often once somebody, when it, when something comes from compliance or ethics and you don't know what the point is, and you know, it's not like everybody, people are thinking about making the right decision. They're not thinking about, oh, this law applies to us globally or this or that. But if you actually can, can talk about that and say, look, this is why we need to do this very often you get much more practical suggestions from people who actually will have to implement or address it. And then they understand it's not that you just decided one day to come in and come up with a bunch of new rules. 
Yeah. Agreed. And even like, I don't know, for me, I try to do that as much as possible because that's just how my brain works. So even if it's a task, I'm like, please explain to me why we're doing this. (laughs) Because sometimes like you, yeah, I think it just helps people sort of jump on board. But again, it could help if, if you say the why, and this is why we chose to do, you know, option A, then people can, the people who are truly in it, um, every day they can say, oh, if we need to do this because of X, actually there's like an option B that, you know, would be more efficient. Can I walk you through that? And then they would walk you through that. But if they didn't know why they were doing it, they would just execute something that maybe sometimes wasn't as efficient um, as it could have been. So I completely agree. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, keep, keep giving the advice. I think everybody, you know, it's really important to have, you know, all different views. It sounds like you've been doing that even since you started. I don't think I was nearly as good as that at that um, when I was less seasoned. (laughs) Um, And with that, I really want to thank you so much, Christina. I feel so glad to have gotten to know you and, you know, that you've got this opportunity. And it's nice to know, working in an organization, that people like you are committed to being monitors. So thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you for having me. It was great. Um, And again, you you may not realize, but you are the final uh, interview of our, we extended summer a little bit. It's our uh, summer session. And we're going to, when when we come back in a couple of weeks, we're going to have people share their Halloween horror stories. Um, Oh, goodness. Oh, that's fun. No, that's (laughs) fun. So if you have one of those, please let, let us know. You let me know, Christina. And again, on behalf of Mary, me and the Compliance Podcast Network, this was Great Women in Compliance. And thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.